You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 607 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening. I am on the road, so apologies for the lack of audio quality on the podcast today. Uh, earlier, I recorded a two-part episode with Brian Schroeder, um, who is, of course, an NBA draft expert. I've had him on the podcast in the past, and always fun to talk to Brian. There were some audio challenges, uh, so actually I want to shout out Jeff Siegel, good friend of the program, for helping me edit through a lot of the stuff. We had to uh, cut and paste and do a lot of different things with the audio, but hopefully it sounds okay, and uh, that's just one that I, I want to come on the podcast to tell you guys about before it even got started. It is going to be two parts, uh, a little bit shorter than normal on a part-by-part basis, but I'm on the road this week, so I want to give you two different podcasts to listen to with different topics. This particular one that you're about to listen to has some NBA draft stuff from 2019, as well as some summer league observations. Brian was in Vegas, as I was, and then for part two coming up, probably tomorrow, I would imagine, is going to be some uh, Hawks prediction stuff for 2019-20 and uh, 2020 NBA drafts. Uh, a little bit of look, look ahead there, even though we're about 11 months away from the next NBA draft. So, with that said, please subscribe, please uh, rate, review the podcast. It's been huge. We've gotten a lot of uh, new subscribers and rate raters and reviewers and all that fun stuff in the recent past. I really appreciate all of that. But after this short, short break, we'll come back with Brian, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Brian, thank you, as always, for joining me, my friend. How are you on this fine Sunday? Hot. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's actually a little better than it was, but yeah, I got back from Vegas and I knew it was going to happen because I was checking the uh, on my flight. I was checking the weather, and it was like 96 degrees with 82 percent humidity. And I was like, ah, oh, great, I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually on the road uh, this week for my day job, so it's not quite as hot here where I am uh, in Tennessee as it is in Atlanta, but uh, it's not cold where I am. It's not quite as bad as Vegas though, where we just both were for. Uh, I mean, it's better. It's, me, it's better but... in Vegas, honestly. It's when dry. It was... Well, because we were inside when it was like 105. So, I mean, the one night it was 78 degrees out. That was great. 78 degrees, no no humidity, no wind. It yeah, it feels that incredible. Was like... of, uh... That was the night Kawhi happened. So it was just like 20 people around a pool hanging out. Yeah, it, it feels incredible. At like, 1, at like 1 a.m. local in Vegas in July, it feels awesome. It's great. <laughs> I can confirm that. Um, but uh, listen, I'm having you on the podcast to do a number of different things. We're splitting this into two two episodes, so people just will know that ahead of time. But uh, starting things off, the draft was exactly a month ago uh, today, which seems like a long, long time, but it hasn't been that long. And I know you and I talked before the draft. We talked about the draft in person. Uh, but I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on what you uh, thought the Hawks did. Obviously, the big uh, semi-controversial move to go up and get Downry Hunter and then uh, Cam and Bruno, all that stuff. So before we get to some summer league stuff and look ahead to the Hawks for this year, what did you make of what they did in the draft? Because it was uh, it was polarizing in some ways, but I know Hawks fans are pretty happy with it. I wasn't a big fan. I mean, it, if they had had those three picks and taken those three guys with those picks, it would have been fine. I just don't really think – I really don't think they needed to move up to get Hunter. Like, I I really feel like he could have he could have been there at eight, because I mean the Cavs were, liked him and the Bulls kind of liked him, but as far as I know, nobody else really. The Suns, I feel like the Suns were on Kobe White though. That was who they wanted. And it was yeah, like, I've heard and that. Then they changed, I do then think they changed. 
then then something happened late in the late in the like I don't I don't think they were going to take a wing. Yeah, I agree. I, I haven't heard anything about the Suns. I do think the Cavs were going to take Hunter, from what I understand and what I've heard. I mean, that's just it's all secondhand. It's not Kobe Altman telling me that they were going to take Hunter, but I have I do think that he wasn't going to get to the Hawks if they stayed there. But for, for what it's worth, then you can miss out on him. I don't think he's a, a great enough prospect to really. I mean, trading up in this draft is bad. It's a, it was a bad idea for anyone. But at least it could have been Culver. <laughs> That's yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I tend to agree on the value. I and mean, we talked about it a lot at, at the time. And, you know, I, what, what you said at the beginning where if they just had picks 410 and whatever it was, 34, and took those guys, I would have been on board with that. You know, I had Hunter um, in the top five for me. And I was a little bit higher on him than you were. But I, I agree that 12. Yeah, I mean, go, going up to get him. Adam had a Kobe White and, and Garland, you know. So I mean, yeah, that's... I mean, they, they paid a lot. I mean, they they overpaid. I said that at the time, and um, I think a lot of the reaction to it has been who cares from Hawks fans, and that's that's fine. I mean, they're they're betting on Travis Schlenk's scout ability, and I think Travis um, has shown some process weaknesses, um, but you know, his scouting has been very good so far. So I think you know, Hawk, speaking from hearing what I hear from fans they kind of don't care about the price, which mm-hmm. I disagree with. But I also say, I, I can also see why a fan would say that. Cause it's just the guys that are on their, on their team now that they like. And that's, that's fine. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know. I, I guess they're not good enough to really worry that much about one, one or two future picks, but I, I just don't think you can, like you said, that's bad process. I don't think you can continue doing this stuff. You're eventually you're going to run out. You're just going to run out of stuff. It's like the inverse of the Celtic situation where they refuse to make yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's just Hunter is just not super exciting. He's he's probably going to be fine, but it's just I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I was never excited about him. Yeah, it's it's not it's not exciting. And I think um, I'm predicting at some point during his rookie season, Hawks fans will have some backlash on Hunter because he's not the kind of guy that's going to pop. And I think it, in theory that it all made sense. And I, and I defended it in theory because the Hawks don't necessarily need someone at that spot that has to pop with their other talent. But at some point along the way, when fans are, you know, the last two drafts, they've gotten, you know, kind of poppy guys in John Collins and Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter is not going to do that. Um, so at some point in like December, people are going to get frustrated and then it would be silly. And then I'll say, look, you guys are overreacting. So it's going to be, I kind of predicted it was probably going to happen in summer league. Honestly, it's almost good that he didn't play, but more than one game for Hawks fans perspective, because he wasn't going to pop in that setting. And I was kind of had some fear going into Vegas that um, by like game three, we, we were going to have the Trey Young redux and people are going to be upset with DeAndre Hunter. It was going to be insane, but it probably would have happened. So it's, it's almost good that he didn't play as much in Vegas. Yeah, he just played the one game, right? I didn't see him any other times. Yeah, just it was only one yeah, game, and even, that's frustrating for people too. I didn't like, even do his per thirty sixes because he didn't play thirty six minutes, which is pointless to do. Yeah, they had they. Uh, I mean, I, I think by all, all indications, he's not terribly hurt, but he had a little a little bit of a knee thing, and I shut him down. That's just kind of the way that worked. Um, but you know, Hunter, Hunter, in terms of just real quickly, so I can get your opinion on this. You know, Hunter, in terms of the player taking the value out of it. What do you expect from him? I think we talked about it a little bit when you were on last time. I know I talked about him a little bit. What do you, what do you see from him as an NBA prospect um, now that he's already on the team? Uh, like a less athletic Alfaruk Aminu kind of? Like he's a four. That's the thing people need to understand about him. He's going to be a four in the NBA. He played three at Virginia, but three at Virginia is basically also a center. Like they don't they don't really play like wings. They, they have ball handlers and then guys who defend the rim. That's all they have in Virginia. He's he's a four. He's just not a good enough athlete to guard. 
he can guard down a little. He could like guard some Culver, like he like he guarded Culver in the championship game. But he's not. His problem is that he's not. He's a four, but he can't defend centers. He can't defend bigs. He's not strong enough. And he's he's got really good. He's the best technique. He's the best technique defender in the class by like a, a large margin. He's got great hands. He's really good at leveraging people, and that's much better defending guards than it is. He's going to be, I don't know, he's kind of in a weird spot. It, that, I guess that makes the fit with Trey a little more interesting, where he can defend some guys that Trey maybe can't. But he's just going to be a closeout guy, shoot corner threes, maybe maybe a few post-ups, and maybe you can run some pick-and-roll with him, but I don't think he's... He had really good numbers in Virginia doing that, but I don't think he's explosive enough to really be like a threat consistently. They, they do like... They, yeah, I, I mean, they, they do like... He's going to be good. He's going to be good at things, yeah, but he's I'm, not going to be great. I kind of agree with you in some ways. I, I think he's going to be someone who checks a lot of boxes, and that's why they like him. I think defensively, um, we'll see about his athleticism. I kind of agree. He's a pre, he's a fairly limited athlete. I do think he can play the three. I think he's going to play the three for a while, and we'll see how that goes. Um, offensively, the Hawks, I can tell you, are higher on his potential to play make a little bit on offense than I am. And I know that you are, um, you know, I, I'm not sure it's going to be a primary thing for him ever, but they do. I think they're at least intrigued by, by having the ball in his hands a little bit as a pick and roll operator, not like a primary look, but someone who can do that eventually um, more like, yeah, I mean, I, I can see it a little bit. They're higher on it than I am, but I, I think at a minimum, he's going to make open shots and kind of just be, a solid-ish offensive player, and if they're, if well, you know, you know who I'm convinced is already a good pick and roll operator, uh, Jared Culver. Yeah, I mean, That's all he did. You're preaching to the choir a little bit. I had I had Culver ahead of Hunter. Um, that was controversial in some circles. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I had them side by side, and I did like Hunter. I mean, I did like Culver more. Um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. You know, Culver's jump shot was the big concern, etc. Um, but Hunter. I agree. Has he has less upside as a as an operator than Culver, to be sure. I think. To put it, to put it this way, he's kind of a similar archetype as Mikael Bridges, but Mikael Bridges has much more pop athletically, much higher steal rate. Uh, one of the best shooters in the history of college basketball, whereas Hunter's just a good shooter, and probably has more like self creation to his game. So it's like the difference between I don't know, like I'm trying to think of like a three and D guy. I guess like Otto Porter and like Miami Heat Shane Battier, where it's kind of the same idea, but one of them is much more functional than the other one. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea of Hunter and, and like Miami Heat, Miami Heat Shane Battier was good. Right. I mean, that's not. what I'm saying. Like, I think it's it's very possible, almost likely, that Hunter is going to be a quality role player for a long time, and people, and like I mean, even Hawks fans yeah. are going to be disappointed with that because when you see a top five pick attached to a guy expectations for better or worse just rise to a level that they probably shouldn't rise to and the most ex- the most famous example is Marvin Williams yeah. in Atlanta I mean yeah I mean I'm still doing this 15 15 years later where um I had someone tell me the other day um that's a Hawks fan that if Cam Reddish became Marvin Williams it'd be a disappointment and I said you're out of your mind literally out of your mind if Cam Reddish was Marvin Williams at, at, with, with, with a 10th pick that's an absolute home run like absolute and utter home run <laughs> uh and you know Hunter obviously is a top five pick but he doesn't have the upside of a traditional top five pick. Now that's, that's not a shot at him. Part of that was the fact that this draft was bad. Um, but he, that's not, I think people have to just remove that from the equation when you're talking, when you're talking about projecting down Hunter, he does not have the pedigree and athleticism, et cetera, of a, of a top five pick. It's just not what he is. 
It's it's not even so much. I, I, I want to clarify. It's not so much athleticism. Like he can, he has good power. He can dunk on people. He's it's, a pro athlete. It's, yeah, he's not. He's, he's not movement an athlete skills. It's fluidity. He moves like a robot. It's the only other way to. The only real way to say it is he. He moves like an old man. Like he has bad joints, and he, I know he doesn't. He has a pretty clean bill of health, but like he just has that. Barrett has that too a little bit, where he can't bend his knees and his shoulders at the same time, and he just kind of runs into people headlong. Now Hunter's like probably better at that, but I don't know. It's it, it's just it was just a very curious pick. I don't I don't get why they sold out to get him. I guess they they love him, and I mean the the theory. The theory, at least on their end, from what I understand, is that basically he, they just think he's better at everything than you and I do, which is okay. Like again, I, I had him in the top five or six. Like it wasn't like I didn't like him; I liked him a lot. And it's uh, a lot of this because he appeals to me as someone who just does a lot of things well. And I don't really care that he's going to be a star. Like I think he's going to just be good at basketball. And if you really believe, as they do, if you think Trey Young and John Collins are both are both superstars then you don't need a superstar, a superstar of that pick. You, just, you need someone that can fill in the gaps. Now, that that, that, that definitely plays a lot into what their core already is. Um, but if you think that the Hawks just absolutely desperately needed a 3 and D role player, that's what they got. And that, that's fine. I mean, he can do that. I mean, they needed wings for sure. For sure. And they got, and they got two, two chances. Two. I mean, especially, especially now that they traded, they've gotten rid of so many guys. Like, I don't think you're going to have uh, Alan Crabb and Jabari and Chandler Parsons play real wing minutes maybe crab will play a lot but yeah they're gonna need crab but i agree i mean i think parker's a four and we'll we'll see we'll, we'll get to that we'll get to that later because i want to i want to ask you about jabari as you are an expert on jabari we'll save that for the end um but yeah i mean hunter we've probably covered enough just yeah. for now we, we could sort of transition to reddish a little bit um reddish is interesting in that i think everyone kind of agrees now he was a bad college player but that doesn't mean he's gonna be a bad nba player he is very talented but what do you what do you make of that and i think it's good that he has a little bit less pressure on him being the second guy they pick and all that stuff. So what do you make of the fit in Atlanta and how he's going to look? Him at 10 is fine. Him at 10 is fine. I had him at like 21, but the thing with this draft is like, it's very flat, like from two to like, I don't know, about, about Hunter, about 12. It was kind of the same player, same quality. And then from like 13 to like 35, it was kind of the same. It's really just preference. And uh, yeah, I mean, Reddish, the, the two point percentage is for Reddish was just it's catastrophic. Like, it can't it, be overstated how bad it was. <laughs> people people talk it. I saw people like draft some draft people saying, "Oh, he was just bored. He didn't care." It's like, well, that's a problem. If that's if that's the case, if he was just bored at Duke, that's a problem. He shouldn't be bored playing basketball. Like that's that's a worse problem than if him just being a bad athlete. Honestly, um, and the shooting is fine. He's a fine shooter. He has good touch. His problem is that he changes his release a lot. I notice that when he gets closed out really hard he kind of flicks his wrists he does the mellow thing but he doesn't shoot like mellow did i mean and i don't know he's not a real passer playmaker because he just can't do enough with the ball that's the thing <clears throat> plenty of guys have like he's a good passer he's got good touch as a passer he's generally pretty creative but if you can't break down the defense it doesn't matter like if you're just making passes from the top of the key like great they better be you better be Jokic, basically you better be like the best passer alive to do that. Like LeBron does that, but LeBron also is LeBron. He can just and go to the rim kind of everyone. Passer and yeah, I mean he has the it's, whole. It's really. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. I think the biggest, at least what I've found so far since the Hawks drafted Reddish, and even before that, the biggest split is with people that watched him in college and really evaluated him versus people that just have seen mixtapes and are, are relying on the 
high school evaluation of Cam Reddish. Now, is that guy still there? Maybe. Say that again. I said, uh, but what I'm saying is like basically people that relied on that are relying on his high school and on and what what, what, he, what he was supposed to be. Yeah, when he was playing against when he was playing yeah, against I mean, like and it's, six two guys. Listen, yeah. I, I know the Hawks have seen him a lot. They they admitted they admitted slash told everybody that after the draft that you know a lot of the evaluation that they were looking at was pre college, and that's okay. Um, but it, you have to just kind of take it for what it's worth that he was not very good in college. Now you, you can you know, defensively I actually was kind of impressed by him at times. In no, he's college, good. And that was, that, that's a good thing. Um, but offensively you're, you're really projecting because he was in a supporting role. And I mean, the space was bad. There was a lot of bad offensive the, stuff. The spacing going on was bad. Dude, mainly because he wasn't yeah. I mean, they didn't, they didn't know. Him and Trey Jones were not able he, to create space. Like if, if either of them had been like a, it's not as simple as people want to make it. I, I've the heard people say, well, now, now that he'll have spacing Fine. around him, and it's like, well, yes, he's going to have spacing around him, but you know, he was in the number three role at Duke, which is what he's going to be in in Atlanta, and he didn't fare well in that role at all. Now, it's different. It's a different game, and you're playing with different players, and obviously Trey Young as a passer can do things that nobody at Duke could do for him, but he's going to have to make more shots, and the finishing is – you know, at the very least, a significant question. Like, if you want to believe in it, that's okay. But nothing in college tells you that you can be There's right. no reason to. There's no reason to believe in it. The thing with him, I've noticed people keep describing him as really smooth, and I think it's just because he's not explosive at all. He does he look fluid. Really fluid. I mean, it, I, he's definitely an overrated athlete. That's something that I think uh, – I talked about this for a while with Coles Wicker before the draft too, but he, he is an overrated athlete based on the fact that he looks like a great athlete. Um, he's very smooth, but, you know, explosiveness-wise – it helps that he's that he's long and tall. So you know, being a little a little bit limited there doesn't really kill you. But he's not a great athlete. He's just not. It's just he's smooth and coordinated. He's not even a good athlete, like by NBA standards. Yeah, it's not explosive. And I think you know, you see him dunking in an empty in an empty gym, and it looks great. And he he'll put he'll put up a good highlight on uh, on the fast break. It's so, funny. He's actually gonna be playing with one of the uh, one of the best. Like Evan Turner had that problem too, where he looked like a great athlete and is not. Evan Turner is a better athlete than Cam Reddish. Like more explosive at the rim, faster through his cuts. Reddish has got to be to be successful. He's got to be like an IQ. I mean, he's gonna have to either make shots at a really high level, which he can do. I think that's that's in the range of outcomes for him to be a, a very good shooter. Um, or he's gonna have to like you said, like play up really as a passer in a way that he didn't at Duke. Cause I don't think he's going to ever be a great finisher. Like I'm sure it can get better than what it was last year. Cause it was so bad, but offensively you're kind of, you need him to make shots as a shooter from the perimeter. That's, that's the easiest way for him to work is just to be a 40% three point shooter. And I'm not sure it's going to happen, but that would be, uh, that's the easiest, clearest way to, to be effective offensively. Cause defensively the length and just the acumen are good enough where he's going to be solid there at, at worst. I think, I think he's going to be probably better than that. But offensively, it's kind of a mixed bag for me. Yeah, he was um, the second I, – I think it's since 2010, the second player drafted who shot under 40% from two in college. The other one was Isaiah Whitehead, one of the worst NBA players of the last half decade. And, uh, you know, player. and he was, what, 6'5"? 6'4", 6'5", yeah. Yeah, guys, guys Reddish's size and measurables do not shoot 39% from two. That just doesn't happen. And I know I know it's a small sample. It's 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 one college season, but it's still a sample of a full college season. <laughs> and it was uh, you just don't see that. And that's more important. Um, yeah, five college games are more important than a hundred high school games. And he played way. in what almost thirty college I, games, something like that. So yeah, yeah. it's a more important. The, the the gap in talent is enormous. 
even EYBL, EYBL is more important than high school. Because the talent level's higher. Still, I mean, unless you're unless you're talking about like Oak Hill and you're playing against a national schedule, um, most high school players. Even then, yeah, even I mean, then. I'm saying most high school players half their games or more playing against bad competition. So it's like, what are we doing there? Um, and he was not someone playing against that kind of competition all the time in actual high school games. Um, and but you know. Oh, I guess on the flip side, some of the projection models, I know Kevin Pelton's model really loved his high school numbers now and his, EY, his EYBL numbers for what that's worth. I mean, you, you, could, you could talk better about that than I could. I'm not deep into the EY, EYBL scene. I usually see guys a few times before they get to college, but most of my evaluation is going to be college level. Um, but that was one of the bright spots people were focusing on was like, he was really good in EYBL. I'm like, well, okay, I'll ask you, Brian, because you know more about it than I do. He still didn't, uh, if I remember correctly, he still didn't shoot like a crazy, it was like, okay from three and he wasn't like a big assist guy he just the problem was he was playing point guard he played point guard a lot in high school he's just not gonna play point guard anymore it's not gonna happen yeah i mean he's not kate, the, he's not the kate part of the problem a little bit is that lloyd pierce referenced him playing point guard a little bit on a summer league broadcast and i didn't see it but i heard i heard this after the fact that I, I confirmed that he, that he did say it so the hawks i think believe he might be able to do that at some point i'm kind of with you they're they're probably going to figure out i'm kind of with you on that i don't really see that as an option but you know they might try and i'm okay with them trying it um now whether it works or not yeah whatever but uh they might try it and we'll see how that goes i'm with you that it's not likely to work um it's like as i said the the number one thing a point guard has to do is break down defenses and he is he can't do that he's bad at it i don't think so either i mean if you just watch Watch the college tape, and I know again the spacing questions, etc. And it wasn't great, but it, you, it was not a lot of, of uh, instances where he was dynamic off the dribble in college. Let's just say that. Um, okay, that's probably enough on Cam. Who I, and I agree. Like overarching takeaway is that you know both Hunter and Reddish where they were drafted was fine could, in this draft. It just wasn't a you know I like I like the Reddish value. I had him a little bit higher than you, but you know it is what it is. Uh, do you have thoughts on Bruno Fernando, the guy we saw at least a little bit more in summer league? Um, I thought that was a great well. I thought he looked. I thought he looked okay at summer league, and then I did my per thirty sixes. He was bad. The numbers were not good. Yeah, I mean that's something yeah, like five point eight points, four point nine rebounds. I mean four point five blocks per thirty six, but that uh, what was it one point three assists. But yeah, he had a like a sub. Was yeah, three sixty five true shooting. Bad. Yeah, I thought he looked better than the numbers were, but the numbers were not good. Um, but it's it's really small. I think he played three games as a really small sample, but he had, he had some really nice moments, and his overall performance was not great, which it's summer league. I don't really care because, because the nice moments were there. But, I don't uh, care as much about rookies at summer league. Like No. I mean, if, if you're coming back and struggling after a full season, that's that's a problem. Um, but if you're the number 34 pick and you don't like pop off the screen too much in summer league, it's totally fine. What did you make of him in college? Like, what was your evaluation pre-draft of Bruno? He is kind of um, – it's kind of weird. He's kind of like a budget eight in a lot of ways where he's got an incredible body. He's got – he can really move. He's a great – really good movement skills for a guy that size. He's got good touch. He can kind of score. But he also just does – he doesn't do big man stuff super well. Like, he's not a screener. He can block shots, but he's not really that good defensively. Like he's not sealing people off and keeping people out of the paint and playing good team defense like Dante Porter would. But uh, he also kind of can shoot. Like Aiden kind of shot in college. So there's like a weird where it's like the talent is there, and I understand it, and he's fun to watch. But he's not maybe maybe not good. Like I much preferred uh, Nemias Kada to him because Kada is just like a lockdown rim guy. Um, that jumper he hit though, he had a. a 
in his first game, it was like it was like it was like the third minute he played in summer league, and I agree. That, it made the rounds, and I think a part of that was like people like you and me sharing it. But uh, that was a jaw dropper. I was like, I'm not sure that's going to like happen a lot. But the fact that he can do that and be as smooth as he was doing it is like kind of freakish. He's uh, he's just a ridiculously fluid. And then, like you know, later in that same game, he, he took like back-to-back fadeaway jumpers that were nowhere close. Um, and that's the give and take of summer league because you want guys to try stuff, and that was fine. Like I, I made a comment that he should remove that from the arsenal right away, and people got mad at me. And I was like, I'm not saying he shouldn't do it in summer league. I'm saying he shouldn't do it in a regular game. <laughs> like I don't care about summer league. It's just try whatever you want. Just don't practice that a ton because it's not going to be the greatest thing you can do. Yeah, I don't know. He, he's interesting. He did. Because when he, when he plays like big, when he played up and played at the rim a lot, he like dominated John Teske a couple of times, which is the only one of the, like three guys in college basketball who pushed John Teske around. Which doesn't happen. And it's like, my son, your son. Yeah. Don't, don't shoot don't shoot sixteen footers if you can do that, my guy. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's funny. Either I asked him or Chris Kirscher did. One of us asked him uh, about that pull up that he took in the first game, and he said the coaches got mad at him for not shooting the three. And I was like, that's that's funny. But it's also it's also just a better shot, so I understood it. It was just kind of funny. It was like, yeah, he was like, yeah, he's he said something about how he's comfortable shooting off the dribble, but the coaches told him not to, not to do that because they want him to shoot three. I'm like, okay, um, that's probably right, and they think he can do that, and we'll see how that happens. I mean, do do you think what do you think what do you make about him defensively? Because that's kind of I think that's what I yeah that's my biggest deep, question. But yeah, is that I'm not sure he's really. Like for a guy who had the numbers he had, he didn't seem to have the impact like a, a an extreme defender like uh, Xavier Tillman or somebody would, where like the team was noticeably better. I don't know. Maryland was you probably saw a good amount of them. They were fine, and like yeah, they probably weren't as good as their talent should have been. Yeah, Anthony I mean, Cowan is a quality player, and like Jalen Smith is really good. But like they had two. Well, Fernando wasn't a top recruit, but he's he was playing playing like coming into last year. Yeah. He had like the pedigree of like, people realized he was good. So, um. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's an interesting guy. Thirty four is not a, like I knew they were going to take a center, so thirty four is you know pretty good. We we were talking about this on draft night. Um, I know Chris with more of the AJC and me mm-hmm. and a couple other people. Kale Schnarr, I think, was there. We were talking about um, how the Hawks have liked him all the way, um, and he had been in for a workout. So I was not surprised that they liked Bruno Fernando at all. Um, and I, I was with you. I, I thought that they were going to take a center. There was a mm-hmm. there was a minute there when they didn't have another pick until fifty seven, and I'm like, well, they might be done. And then, you know, five minutes later, they traded back in to get Fernando. And that made, that made a lot of sense. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable evaluation. That's kind of where I had him in the draft. So yeah. sign me up. Like, it's it's a, a second-round pick. They gave him a three-year deal. Um, sure, it's totally fine. And we'll see how he looks. But I think it's more likely he, he becomes a backup center. But that's kind of where you want to get a backup center is at 34. So it's totally fine. Okay, that's probably enough on uh, on draft, guys. Oh, I wanted to ask you, uh, since you saw a couple of guys in person that I saw in Summer League, the Hawks Summer League team was kind of brutal in a lot of ways. Did anybody that you even care to discuss other than the three rookies? Matt Mooney. Uh, Matt Mooney. <laughs> Matt Mooney is up. <laughs> he couldn't shoot, but he did Matt Mooney stuff where he just beat the hell out of the opposing guards. Yeah, he guarded he does a thing. He does a thing that uh, Conchar also does, and I don't know if it's just like a white guy who looked like their boxers thing. But because uh, they both do, they both look like boxers from like the 30s. But they they put like box people, like knock them around with their hands. They hand check basically. They get away with it because like Mooney just hits people in the chest. He just beats the hell out of them. Um, he had four and a half assists per 36 too, which is more than I expected from Matt Mooney. Shot well. Like he's gonna get a contract somewhere. He's a quality player. He didn't handle the ball particularly well, which is that's that's the big thing with him. Is like oh he could be a point guard. I'm like not if you watched him handle the ball against pressure 
in summer league. It didn't, it didn't go very well. Um, no, but he, he passed better than I expected. Yeah, he, like he was he's, he's a, a fine part of that. Is a Texas Tech. He never handled. No, and that's what I was gonna say. Like, it's it, a lot of it was, was because the Hawks had a clear need at point guard because of how bad how bad Jalen Adams was. But people were like, "How about Matt Mooney?" And I'm like, well, "He can't handle the ball to be a point guard in the NBA right now." Yeah, she's fine. And then work out that way. But I I, I kind of do like I kind of do like Matt Mooney just as a general thought concept. He's he does a lot of things well. Uh, Charlie Brown did was played okay. So. I was going to ask you about him because he is actually. I only saw him the one game. Well. Yeah, he's he going to be a three, D, uh, three and D with no D right now. But um, yeah. he's uh, I mean, yeah. long, he, and they like him a lot. He shoots. Well, he, he's not afraid to shoot. I would say he shot five forty two true shooting is pretty good. Not afraid to shoot. Yeah, he can shoot. I mean, I, that's kind of what we know he can do. Everything else is up for debate, but he can shoot it. Uh, oh, Taj McCall is the other guy I want to ask you about. He's, he, he became a fan favorite in a hurry. He can't. He just can't shoot. But everything else is no. He's he's not an NBA player, but he's a perfect kind of guy. He, like him and Javante Green and on the Celtics are the perfect like fun summer league guy. He plays really hard and he's fun to talk to. I can tell you that. I he's mean, a, it, I like his personality quite a bit. We uh, talked a few times, and uh, I I love him now eternally. But I, I'm not. I'm with you now. I'm not sure he's an NBA player. Did they fill their other two way spot? They have not. In fact, they uh, they have yeah, two they have two full roster spots left and a two way spot left and. Uh, that's kind of why I asked you about some of the guys because I think he's the only guy. McCall's the only guy that I would have signed from from the summer league team to a two way. But even then, it's not. I mean, they could find a better spot probably. But that, that would not bother me at all. I, I enjoy him and just have him in, having him around for culture reasons because he uh, just busts it all at all times and they and they love him. They, I think uh, Greg Foster took to calling him the junkyard dog throughout the week, which I enjoyed. There's that. Um, okay, we can probably let's go to part two. That's what we're going to do now. So we're signing off. For now, uh, please follow Brian and follow me and all that stuff. We'll be back. Uh, I guess well, we're, we're going to keep recording, but for everybody else, we'll be back again with part two. So uh, go to that, subscribe, and all that fun stuff, and we'll see you on the next podcast.